From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I am joined by the uh, captain of the Light Warriors, (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Funky Larry Jones. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I am so good. And again... You, my friend, are a refreshing. Thank you. Refreshing, That's enough about refreshing. me. I don't want to. No, no more about me, please. Uh, our guest has already alluded to the fact that he's going to tell his wife that he's in the on the podcast <laughs> with a young man from Ready for Love. That <laughs> is just hilarious. absolutely great. Well, if, if he's excited about telling his wife. I'm excited about just talking to him because yes. he is the youngest and the first black Harris County attorney elected. In the county's history, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. please welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, Christian Manafee. Welcome, man. Thank you very much. I'm super excited to be here, man. Well, c- first, congratulations yeah. on everything. I'm sure that that was a uh, long, hard battle uh, being on the streets, talking to the people all while during the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. You know, the meat of my race was against the last county attorney who was in the same party as me. So it was uh, the primary election, which ends in March 3rd. So I won the primary on March 3rd, was super excited about that. And then the very next week, the pandemic hit. Mm. So it completely transformed. And I had an opponent in the general election. I went from being at every single community event to appearing on Zoom at every single community event. But it, it, it was an exciting time, and I'm looking forward to fighting for change for people living in Harris County. Yeah, and I see that's why you ran, to, to, to fight for the people. Well, speaking of the people, KG, Christian, your background, your story is so amazing, and I'd love for you to share with the audience today because you're going to bring hope to a lot of people once you tell them how everything unfolded because this young man mm-hmm. uh, not only Klein, but out of the A-Leaf Independent School District. And brother, kudos to you. But can you share a little bit of your background? Absolutely. So I'm from a military family. Both of my parents served in the armed forces. My father had 28 years and nine months and two tours over in the Persian Gulf. And my mother was serving and she stopped serving to work. And, And while she was working, my brother was diagnosed with leukemia. So she devoted full time to holding our family together. And I came from a background where there was nobody in my family that went to college. I had never met a lawyer and was just kind of trying to find my way through public school and and working at a local grocery store. And I ended up going on to college at UTSA out in San Antonio, paid my way through college and went on to law school at a private school up in St. Louis and came back and was really trying to fight to better the communities that, that I had lived in all my life. Um, you know, I, I went to go work for a couple of law firms, but as my wife would put it, I spent my nights and weekends out in the community. So I was involved in community groups. I was involved on environmental issues. And then in 2016, the, the White House changed and uh, things changed for my day-to-day life. And I felt like I, I needed to do more. So I got more involved in the political space. And then ultimately, there were some issues that had come out of this office that had really affected black and brown people. So I decided to kind of get off of my soapbox and, and get onto my campaign box and, and really go out there and run to try to get into a position to, to help people. Mm, excellent. What key event or when did the aha moment happen for you to make you consciously make this decision 
uh, to run and to know that you see stuff that ain't right and <laughs> my people need help. Like, what was the event that that clicked for you to make you go about this aggressively? Sure. So there was a major criminal justice reform lawsuit that was going on out here. And being from a working class family, I have several members of my family who have been swept up in the criminal justice system. So I know it's something that plagues all communities, but especially low income communities. And the office that I now run was very much involved in that process and had taken some positions that I felt were uh, disadvantageous uh, to people who are, you know, just struggling and trying to make better out of their life. So I went to an event and it was a forum and there was on one side, the gentleman who used to serve in this office. And on the other side, there was a community of folks, predominantly black and brown folks who were kind of having a, a public outcry about some of the positions that this office had taken. So I, I made it a point from that moment to start to go out and look and see who we could get to run for this office that better represented uh, black folks, but really all members of the community who may be trying to do better in their life. And then ultimately the, the search ended up with, you know, you, you got to put your money where your mouth is. So that was my moment that I decided that working in the private sector was fine. It was taking care of my family. Everything was going right. But with all that was going on in our country, all the way from the White House down to here locally, it was time for folks to not just go out and chase the private sector and chase money, but instead really invest in bettering our communities through public service. Indeed. Unc, I'm getting the uh, spirit of Thurgood Marshall in, in this brother in, in, in his early days, like yeah. from the movie Thurgood, yeah. that, uh, the great Chadwick Boseman had starred in. Like, he, Christian, you giving me those vibes, bro. Look, I just hope that my friends from law school aren't listening because uh, they will surely clown me and say, look, you might be Christian Menifee, but you are no Thurgood Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, my, uh, oh, my ultimate goal is, is to just keep my heart in the right place and, and maintain integrity throughout the entire process and, and run an office that isn't built on me getting headlines or me building up Twitter followers but instead is, is focused on making life better for the folks who were like my parents and who were just trying to do better for their kids. Mm -hmm. So, Christian, when you come into an office like this, I, you know, I know everyone has its little nuances. How much dysfunction have you been able to rattle through and put things into perspective like you like a, a, a well-oiled machine to get mm -hmm. your agenda done? Kind of change the culture yes. in the office. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things about Harris County government is you have about 20 separate elected officials who run one government. And I will tell you, that's not a very efficient way to do things. If you look at the city of Houston, you have a mayor, you have city council, and all the rest of the departments report up through that structure. But here in Harris County, you have a county judge, you have county commissioners, and then everybody else is, is elected. So it, it's not that efficient, but I will say it allows the individual elected officials a lot of discretion in running their particular offices. So very early on in my office, I was able to recruit folks who I had known from either the private sector or community work, who I, I knew their work product, I knew that their heart was in the right place. And so I've been able to kind of instill folks at the top who I know are competent and can do the work. And from there, it's really just been a, a race to ensuring that morale is high in the office and that we are focused on the five or six things that I feel will really move the needle for folks. I think one of the issues that elected officials run into is trying to change the entire world in a single day, right? Mm -hmm. 
and to be sure, that's what folks expect of us. But I think the most effective way is to find the ways where you can meaningfully move the needle on two or three issues early on. And so that's what we're doing right now. We've really focused on environmental matters. You know, whenever there's a plant explosion uh, in your neighborhood or there's a new facility trying to be put up, we're, we're the office that comes in and either sues the company that made the explosion or tells the company, hey, you want to have 500 tons of, of hydrochloric cyanide, you can't do that. It's going to be decreased to 100 instead of 500. So that, there are a couple of issues where we're able to really move the needle, and that's what we're focused on. Mm, that, that brings me to mind about the cancer cluster mm, in, uh, go again. In, fifth, <laughs> in Fifth Ward. Yeah, Are you familiar with that? Oh, absolutely, of course. So, you know, uh, my family is from Fifth Ward, um, and it's an incredibly important area. It's rich in, in especially African-American history. Uh, and, and very important to our city. So familiar with, you know, the, the allegations that are going on out there, it, it's our job to go in and investigate. And then we have the authority to file lawsuits as appropriate to, one, try to get remediation. So if there's any leaks that are still currently going on, forcing them to stop. And then, two, to seek penalties and then advocate commissioner's court to get that money poured back into that community. But yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. Um, uh, you know, it's a creosote leak is, is what the stories have said, yeah. but we have at, here at the County, our pollution control department investigating it. And then ultimately it'll be my office that files a lawsuit if a lawsuit is filed. But you know, it's, it's, it's a travesty. You know, you see movies like, um, Aaron Brockovich or dark waters about mm-hmm. these companies that go into these communities. And of course it's predominantly minority communities and have these issues, have these leaks, and don't do anything about it. So one of our top priorities is going to be holding folks accountable. So we will get to the bottom of what happened there, and we will be on top of it. Oh, I, I have no doubt that you will. I just, <laughs> I just feel that you're about to shake some things up. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to the first black Harris County attorney elected in our county's history, Christian Menifee. Uh, Christian, I'm concerned about uh, the illegal dumping is that does that come under your umbrella? Sure. So that, that that's another one of the things that the office does. Um, and and I, look, I love that y'all hit me with all the questions. But uh, my advisors always tell me I got to remind people I only been in office for thirty days. So <laughs> if it happened thirty one days ago, it ain't on me. Okay. Um, yeah, illegal dumping is, is something that that we do, and also the city of Houston does. You know, I, I live in Third Ward, so. You know, I can drive two streets over and, and see illegal dumping that goes on. It's something that, that we'll continue to work with the city to prioritize because it's wrong. You know, I, I, I have been driving through my neighborhood, and I, like many others, have seen somebody drop off a couch or whatever it may be on the side of the road. And, of course, that would not be done on a street in River Oaks, right? So right. Uh, we, we will certainly hold folks accountable on that. So, Christian, is it the lack of recycling plants or people not caring or just negligence or all of the above? I think that it may be all of the above, but I, the biggest one is the latter one. You know, you have conscious and unconscious bias throughout this country, which we just saw recently come to a head with the Capitol insurrection. But the truth is certain people just don't value certain neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right? They, they look at it as a place where they can do certain things that they wouldn't do in other places. And when you have people in power who aren't focused on the resources in those neighborhoods, then it just kind of continues to facilitate people having those thoughts and doing those actions. So, you know, we, we have, there's a councilwoman on the southwest side of town, Martha Cassick Tatum, and she's been 
very intentional about going in and snatching up those we buy houses, we sell houses signs um, that are in the middle of the street, right? But until you get people in power who are focusing their attention, their resources in those neighborhoods, you'll continue to see those issues. And the ironic thing about it is that those same folks that uh, normally be the others and that come in and trash the community about three, five years later, they're mm-hmm. trying to regentrify mm-hmm. the Biden. same community and neighborhood yep. that they were trashing just some years ago. It's, it's a wild scene. Yeah. It had, I mean, that that's the vicious cycle, right? It's, this neighborhood is bad. The way to make it good is to get investment. The way to get investment is to start getting people to move in who don't look like the people around here now. Right, because I met a, a, an Asian lady, and she was like, oh, yeah, I, li- I live in Fifth Ward. I said, you a Fifth Ward lie? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no, you know, my neighborhood, very good. They yeah. they do things. Uh, yeah. It's looking good. I was like, oh, you got bike trails. She's like, yeah, we have bike. I was like, um, that's the telltale sign. When you see the bike trails <laughs> so wrong. And, the, and the Whole Foods, that's when you know it's a done deal. I was walking the other day, and I seen some folks uh, roller skating and walking their dog in the neighborhood. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know, man. This, this seemed like one of the first signs of it. Yeah, we're a yeah. family-friendly neighborhood for sure, but I haven't seen y'all around here before. But, you know, it, I, I think, again, we have to elect folks who are interested in protecting the rich diversity of these neighborhoods and, and being intentional about it, not just dealing with the issue when it comes up, but having a strategy to, to keep those small businesses, keep those old homes in those neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, we have been dealing with this since I got to Houston. I remember when I first got here right. in Third Ward, they were, you know, tr- um, shutting down the hospital mm-hmm. and, and how that was a, a a big thing. And now here we are eight, nine years later, and it's still the same thing that's going on. It's amazing, man. It yeah. is so amazing. All right. So, Christian, uh, give us an idea of a day for you, your agenda. What, 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 what's, what's pressing for you right now? Sure. I come from the private sector. I worked at two law firms out here just representing large companies. And the days when I was in the private sector were pretty straightforward, right? You have uh, several lawsuits that you're involved in, and every day you come in and you kind of work towards furthering those lawsuits and reaching a resolution whether it be a settlement or a trial. Here, I'm one part lawyer, one part manager, and one part executive of an office with 260 people. So it has certainly been a culture shock for me. (laughs) You you mentioned earlier the youngest Harris County attorney, so I'm 32, and I have people working for me who have been practicing law for 32 years. Right. right. So it's important to kind of come in to – really focus on the culture and morale and ensure that people know that they're valued, but also ensure that the head of the organization knows what he's doing, that he is just as committed to work as as you are. So I come to work every day. I work full days every day. I was working until 11 p.m. the other night. Um, And mainly because I want folks to know that I am just as invested in this work of bettering our communities as they are. So my, my days span from doing legal work, Uh, advising managers on management issues or or case structure issues, uh, talking with stakeholders at the county. So whether it be uh, Commissioner Cagle, Commissioner Garcia, Commissioner Ellis or the judge or Commissioner Ramsey or talking with folks who run the various departments. So I may be talking with the district attorney's office about an issue um, or talking with community members. You know, just the other day, our office took the very important step of dismissing the sex workers from this sex work case. Um, uh, that was targeting victims of human trafficking out on the Bissonette track. And, you know, I got a couple of calls about that from community members 
who wanted to give me their thoughts on it. And so I had stuff on my calendar that I had to completely set aside to, to make room to have those those conversations. But I think it's incredibly important that folks in the community have, have access to their elected leaders. So I did it. Um, so my day kind of runs the gamut of talking with the people who are in the communities that put me in this position of trust to working on individual cases, to dealing with management issues, to trying to implement feedback loops so that the culture and morale in the office is sound. Mm. Hey, Christian, what is your what is your vision for Harris County now that you are in this position? Um, there's going to be a lot of changes, I know. Um, so where you sit right now, what is your vision and your hope uh, as you are in this new position in this office for Harris County? My vision for the county is, uh, you know, we are in the energy capital of the world and we are adjacent to or, or encompassing two cities that are some of the most diverse cities in the world. So my vision is you have a county government that fights for working people, that is not beholden to big business, that is not only focused on protecting a couple of industries, but instead is spending your taxpayers on measures that meaningfully impact your life. So I was very vocal on the campaign trail about the environmental issues, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen cement batching plant after plant after plant be put up in neighborhoods Mm -hmm. of folks who look like you and me, right? Um, I, I was very vocal about your zip codes not dictating whether you have clean air or clean water. So those are issues that we have continued to be focused on. I was also very vocal about scammers and fraudulent businesses and how this office has some authority to go after them. And I talked about on the campaign trail how my brother had bought a car that he didn't know was clearly a lemon, and it gets five miles down the road and it breaks down because some shady used car salesman uh, had targeted him and was able to take advantage of him. These are the types of things that I think that everyday people care about. So instead of having a government who is focused on company, large company A and large company B and, and trying to assist them with tax breaks or whatever it may be, my view for this office and really our entire local government is to be a, a people-based place that is seeing how we can make life better for Harris County residents. And, and it should run the gamut of, of any issue, regardless of the issue, my ultimate charge should be how does this impact you know, the single mother of two. How does this impact the family that's trying to make their way to the American middle class? Indeed. A people-based place. I think that's a great place to yeah. put a pin in this, right? Yeah, I this mean. This is great, man. I'm, I, and I truly believe, and I can feel the passion, that he is going to fight and work for the people, just like the people fought and, and came out in droves in this unprecedented election with a pandemic to elect you as the Harris County uh, attorney. Uh, before we get out of here, I do like, so what do you do for downtime? Like what brings Christian joy with everything that you got going on? When you have a day off, like what do you do? You just sit in silence? You going to the beach? Are you like, what, what's that like? I, I do a couple of things. One, I, I watch Ready for Love. Ah, uh, ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Uh, Where to go, Christian? Joy. <laughs> so, so Joy was one of my classmates on uh, in Leadership Houston. Oh, wow. So okay. from, yeah, from day one, I knew somebody on there, and I was super excited about watching that. Uh, but, I, you know, I hang out with family. I'm in the gym every single day at 5 a.m. You know, I, I was raised in one of the old school church families. So I'm up at like 4.30, read my Bible, get mm-hmm. ready, and then go to the gym and then start my day. Uh, but I'm also really big on 
documentaries. You know, I love nice. reading about and learning about historical figures because I think that's probably a, a great example of one things that you can do and two pitfalls to, to look out for. So I'm the person who's watching the Enron documentary 20 times. Like, how did they get away with it? Right, what can right. we do to stop the next one? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, nerdy stuff, man. That's that's what makes me. No, crazy. I like nerds. I'm a, I'm a nerd you, at heart too. We, you you know you in the right place. Yeah, you are exactly <laughs> in, in the right place, yeah. man. Thank you for your time. We know that you are, wow, are yeah. busy getting uh, things together. So we really, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on the Public Affairs Podcast and talk through the city of Houston and. Harris County County, as a whole. So thank you so much. Thank you, fellas. I really appreciate it. Indeed. Christian Menifee. All right. Harris County attorney. Man, just. He's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. Just flat out, just a good man. Period. He's going to take care of business. Yes, indeed. All right. uh, Can't wait to see. Can't can't wait to see the changes that are going to happen. And it's coming up. Speaking of coming up, for everyone enjoying the podcast, stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we get started, let me wish each and every one of you a very happy Valentine's Day. Good morning and welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, discussing local issues that shape our community and shape our world. I am Uncle Fon Killary Jones. KG Smooth has the morning off inside your local Houston BMW Center studios. But we will get right into some great topics and provide a pretty good service for you this Sunday morning. First up, I want to say Thank you for your time and welcome, Dr. Andrea Alexander. We'll be discussing with Dr. Alexander, the black OBGYN, the whole nine yards. But, Doc, welcome to Magic 102. And something special is going on with you and me today, right? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I grew up on Uncle Funky Larry Jones. It's just so crazy talking to you. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate that. And, um, you tell me your mom was kind of responsible for you listening to us. Yes, she did. Miss Amelia Alexander always had me listening to Magic 102. So I have to give her a shout out first and foremost. Well, we thank you for <laughs> because that. Because I definitely grew up listening to you guys all the time. And you have an appreciation for the timeless classics, I understand. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, that's like one of the things that my friends always say about me is that I'm always listening to old school R&B. Everybody trips out over 90s R&B, but I love 70s and 80s soul and funk. It's, that's my genre. Well, congratulations. And you see, folk, when you listen to Uncle Funky, you grow up respecting the classics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nothing but respect. That is true. Real good. music. Well, Doc, let's just, let's, uh, first of all, why don't you share a little bit of your background? I mean, since you're Houstonian, this is good. Walk us through your journey to get us to where you are now. Sure. So um, I grew up in Houston, and I attended the DeBakey High School for Health Professions. And it was there that I really found a, an appreciation for the medical field. And so um, I took my desire to become a doctor to the Howard University College of Medicine, And I graduated from there in 2015, and then I came back home to complete my OBGYN residency, and I graduated in June of 2019, and I've been in practice by myself for two years. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. So tell us about the Black OBGYN. What's what's going on in your world? So, you know, I think I have to start off 
first and foremost because recently was National Black Women's Physicians Day, which three of my friends um, created um, along with um, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Dr. Siri Press, Dr. Sonia Sloan, um, and Dr. Kanisha Hall, um, who's also here in the Houston area. Um, so I just want to address first and foremost, you know, what an accomplishment it is to be a black female physician, because there's only 2% of us that make up that population out of all of the doctors in America. So you never like actually realize what you're doing until you hear the numbers. So I just wanted to first and foremost, start there. Shout out to all of my fellow black female physicians out there. Um, But in the world of OBGYN, um, you know, COVID's kind of (laughs) making a huge impact on pregnancy care nowadays. So that's honestly the biggest impact that we're dealing with currently. Okay. So what do we need to know, Doc? I mean, is it is it difficult for people to come in? Are are they still afraid to come in? What's what's the temperature on 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 your 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 constituents? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of patients um, are having trouble getting to the office. Um, You know, some of us are blessed to be able to stay home. Some of us still have to go to work um, because we're working on the front lines and we're considered essential workers. So, you know, some of the pregnant patients whose spouses or whose partners are essential workers are having a hard time getting to the office. Obviously, there's less income coming into the household, so they're having trouble paying for prenatal care appointments. So we're seeing a lot more emergency room visits than normal. Um, And then even sometimes we're not seeing as many emergency room visits, depending on which hospital um, care system you're looking at. Um, I know for my hospital in particular, we haven't had as many emergency room visits because, you know, people just don't have rides or like you said, they're scared to come in. They would just rather stay at home. So we're trying to encourage patients, you know, these are the signs and symptoms when you want to go to the hospital. If you're having any bleeding, if you feel like your baby's not moving, if you're having unrelenting headaches, changes in your vision, contractions, just come to the emergency room. We have Um, you know, specific protocols in place to ensure the safety of you and your baby um, during the COVID-19 crisis. So we're trying to encourage people to still maintain their prenatal care appointments and come to the emergency room if they have any issues. So, Doc, if if a young lady doesn't have a primary care physician, what's her Mm -hmm. next best option? So I always try to encourage, you know, maintaining health insurance even outside of pregnancy. Um, And I know that that is a huge fiscal burden for a lot of people to take on $500, $1,000, $1,500 premiums a month. But we try to, you know, encourage people to at least maintain health insurance outside of pregnancy because once you get pregnant, even if you don't have a primary care physician, you can get in to be seen right away. Right. And this information... um that we're getting on even receiving the COVID-19 vaccine or people getting testing, there is a tremendous disparity between African-Americans and non-African-Americans. Yep. Uh, you know, I get this all the time, Larry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, my nurses, I do. Um, my nurses ask me all the time if I'm going to get the vaccine and um, if I want to get tested and, you know, I have to be honest with them. I am a physician, but like I always tell them, I'm a black woman first and 
not only am I a black woman, but I'm a black woman who's been educated in, you know, the historical context of, you know, how the field of medicine was formed in America. So, you know, we have all of these people yelling, well, I believe in science and I'm going to get the vaccine. And I, and I think that's great, you know, if you're comfortable to do that. But I also like to stress, well, do you believe in history? Because there's a lot of things that have affected and plagued the African-American community where we're just not, you know, rushing to the front lines to get the vaccine. And I think that's okay, too. I think that we as a community and as a diaspora people have to take our time to accept that there's a new vaccine out. And we have to, you know, go whenever we feel ready. I don't think that we should feel rushed or demonized um, for not getting the vaccine. I think that we should take our time. Dr. Andrea Alexander is on the Public Affairs Podcast, and she's speaking truth to a lot of things that women go through because she is an OBGYN and, and, and a beautiful woman at that but doc, I, I'm, oh, I'm I, yes, ma'am. I, look, what 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 we need is is to lower the temperature and help our folk feel more comfortable about getting in one with pregnancies. Two, if you desire to get tested or get the vaccine, what are some of your suggestions? Do do we wait this thing out and continue to hand wash, sanitize, wear masks? Or do we wait on the Johnson and Johnson one shot product? Because I'm 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 even confused what I'm going to do when it comes to the Minerva or the the uh, Pfizer two shot program, which is kind of unique for me. But and I'm of age, so I I got to get off this fence and make a decision. What what should we do, Doug? Should we wait it out? Well, you know, I think first and foremost, whether you choose to get the vaccine or not, we've got to adhere to the CDC guidelines and washing your hands frequently, maintaining social distancing, limiting contact as much as possible, and continuing to wear your mask in public and private gatherings that are larger than normal. Um, If you decide to get the vaccine, I think that you have to decide what's important to you. Is it important that you only go one time to get the shot? Um, or is it important to you that you get the highest efficacy possible? So if you care about, you know, only getting one shot, then, you know, the Johnson and Johnson shot um, is, or I'm sorry, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has been proven to be just one shot and about um, 70 to 85% effective. There's a range for different sources that I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you care more about efficacy, then, you know, the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine might be a little bit more for you because the two shots um, given either three to six weeks apart, um, like with the Pfizer, or four weeks apart from the Moderna um, vaccine, they've been found to be 94 to 95 percent effective. So they're a little bit more efficacious, but you've got to go in twice. Right. And, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of doctors don't think about with their patients is, um, you know, sometimes patients can't travel two times. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't find a ride two times or you know, not everybody is blessed enough to afford a car, right? right? I mean, sometimes they have to catch the bus and, you know, their work schedules can really limit them as to, you know, whether or not they can get out. So those are things that people are going to have to consider, um, whichever one is more important to you. Um, and, you know, you also have to consider which one is your job going to provide if they're, if your human resource department is going to provide that service for you. 
Um, but if they're not, then, you know, those are the two factors you really want to consider. Dr. Alexander is on the Public Affairs podcast this morning. And, Doc, I'm, I'm curious to know, with with the COVID-19 vaccine, <clears throat> have in any of your research, first of all, let me let me let me say this first. Are pregnant women, do they take the, the vaccine? Or are they allowed to, to take the vaccine? And will that hurt the unborn child? So, you know, the studies are really limited. We try to limit um, whenever we are studying anything. If we're talking about a vaccine or a novel treatment, we really try to limit the most susceptible patients um, as far as being exposed to those vaccines or new treatments. So, Pregnant women aren't really going to be included in these studies just because the immune system is a little bit lower. Um, however, in the United States to date, there's been about three to 4,000 individuals who have taken the vaccine and have gotten pregnant. Mm. So in the coming months, we'll follow those patients to see if there's any adverse outcomes on maternal health or um, fetal health. Um, but for right now, we're not seeing any major consequences of taking the vaccine during pregnancy or if you end up getting pregnant. Um, but we do encourage our pregnant patients, if you are interested in the COVID vaccine, then certainly ask for it. But you should also know that if you are pregnant, you're not going to be forced to take the vaccine. It's not something that is recommended in pregnancy. Okay. Because my next question was going to lead in, would this have any effect with postpartum or is that a whole separate conversation? Um, you know what? I think it could be considered a part of the same conversation just because a lot of the physiological changes that occur in pregnancy, we still see that in the first six to 12 weeks postpartum. So, you know, I think if you are breastfeeding and, you know, you're concerned about transmitting the COVID virus to your baby, I think you should um, implement hand washing. We um, also encourage patients to wash the breast, wash the breast pump before pumping or breastfeeding, and wear your mask while um, breastfeeding the baby if you have had the virus or if you do have the virus. And yeah, you can certainly consider getting the COVID vaccine postpartum as well. Wow. That's good information. Dr. Alexander on the Public Affairs podcast this Sunday morning. We're very intrigued and 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 curious to know Doc, in 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 the best case scenario, where where are your your, your ladies with, with 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 getting to you, uh, being comfortable in this COVID nineteen environment? I know we touched on it a little earlier, but I always believe there's a a, a silver lining in every cloud. What mm-hmm. would be your word of encouragement today to get those ladies who are kind of on the fence, a little nervous about what they should do? As far as the COVID vaccine? Yes, ma'am. So I think, um, you know, first and foremost, we've got to, you know, like I said earlier, we've got to recognize the fact that we empathize with you. We get it. We understand your resentment, your hesitancy, and, you know, why you would have second thoughts about getting this vaccine. Um, I think that it's important to note that we're not only just distributing the vaccine to African-Americans or black and brown patients or only those who are of marginalized societies. We're administering it to everyone. So um, I think that the thought process of, oh, this is just a way to racially target individuals or, you know, to bring about more hocus pocus in the black community. (laughs) I think we have to consider that we're treating all patients. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think we also have to consider that the COVID-19 virus does disproportionately affect African-American and brown communities a lot more often. Um, and severe disease is more um, prevalent in the, in the black and brown communities as well. So, you know, the vaccine is our best attempt to reverse that trend. Um, I think there's also, you know, kind of a thought process of, oh, well, it's actually administering the virus and the virus can implement itself into the human DNA. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, the virus is actually made of an mRNA and RNA is a completely different set of genomic material than DNA is. So RNA physically cannot be implemented into the DNA of the human of, I'm sorry, the human um, chromosome. So, you know, I think those are the three main topics or points of concern that I see in our community. And, you know, I think that those topics can be easily um, rebutted. Right. <laughs> um, but once again, like if you're hesitant, you know, take your time, do your research, and we want you to be comfortable getting the vaccine. There you go. So our very own Dr. Alexander has recently released an ebook. You want to tell us about that, my friend? Yes. Um, so like I said, I went to the Howard University College of Medicine, and one of the things that we really take pride in is advocating for our patients and trying to close health disparities um, in marginalized societies. And so I've always taken an interest um, in optimizing um, black maternal health. And so, you know, with the unfortunate passing of Shasia Washington and um, one of the pediatric residents in November of 2020, um, I just really got moved to try and actually put out something physical and a tangible piece of trying to close disparities um, when it comes to Black maternal health. So. I was moved to write an ebook about black maternal mortality, where we basically go over, go over the epidemiology of um, black maternal mortality, um, juxtaposing it to the death rate of our white sisters, talking about the um, history of maternal mortality in general, and then how to optimize your health in the first, second, and third trimester and postpartum. Excellent. And the title of the book again? It is Black Maternal Mortality, Our Fight Back, and you can find it on my website, pagingdrdre.com, and you can find me on Instagram at paging.dr.dre. Wait a minute. Give that site again. <laughs> I love it. The website is pagingdrdre, P-A-G-I-N-G-D-R-D-R-E.com, and you can find me on Instagram at paging.dr.dre. Are you feeling the high fives I'm giving you right now? Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm fine. Hey. This is so cool. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of your work. Um, Thank it, you. I'm just, I'm elated that that you've uh, stayed in faith and followed the direction of your heart, your passion. Uh, I'm sure your mom has got to be awfully proud of, of the work you're doing and the work you're going to do. Thank you. She better be. I know she is. (laughs) She tells me all the time. I'm very blessed to have an amazing support system. So I'm so grateful for her. And I'm grateful that I had you guys to look up to as well growing up. So awesome to connect with you. Yes, ma'am. It really is a pleasure to reconnect. And the fact that this quality 
this 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 attention to detail, uh, the integrity and the your character speaks volumes just on this program. Thank so, you so uh, much. I want to bless you and say that to you because it just makes me extremely proud to know that we, we played a small part in, in your entertainment life. And, and now look at you. You're about to reshape the world a little bit better for everyone, Thank knocking down you. some fears. Yes, ma'am. And, and Thank uh, you. But I got to correct you. Y'all played a big part because I'm not <laughs> joking. <laughs> I literally listen to old school R&B all the time. <laughs> well, Dr. Alexander, we appreciate that. Um, is uh, You have your um, IG account or uh, Facebook. Can folks reach out to you if they'd like to ask you any questions off air? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I always respond to the emails that come in through my blog. So okay. um, if they have like a direct question, probably, you know, Instagram isn't the best place to ask because it's public in the comments and then my DMs can get a little raunchy. Mm. So I don't check those. <laughs> Okay. Um, so probably um, emailing me from the blog is going to be your best bet. And the blog again is? PagingDrDre.com. I absolutely love it. I just want to hear you say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> My sister, we love you. We thank you. Another big hug. And I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Larry. I appreciate it. All right. For everyone listening to the podcast, we will be right back after this.